Hey everybody, it is Drewy here just reminding you all that we have a Patreon sign up. They're so much fun. Kirky boy, how fun are they? They are so much fun, Andrew Bensley. We've talked about so much stuff. We talked about Belle Gibson uh, scamming in the world by thinking that she cured her brain cancer with raw eating. I still think she did. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to look extra spiffy this uh, autumn slash winter, you can get on to our uh, shop (laughs) and buy some merch. Oh, yeah, you can. That is in the the link link in our Instagram bio. Link in bio. Enjoy the show, everyone. Peace. Hello and welcome along to the Community Notice Board. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes, and coming-of-age tales. We've got a very special guest today in the <laughs> studio. It's the boys. Now it's just us three. We're doing our monthly Underbelly yeah. series. The we are going three. around Australia. We are almost at the end. And then what do we do? Just pick, do it all, start again yeah. from Sydney and keep we'll going. start committing crimes yeah. to yeah. report we, Eventually we will start. have to be like, damn, we, we got to do a go heist. like the pettier crimes, like someone shoplifted something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's also like... Uh, yeah, uh, f- tax fraud Adelaide, uh, what an episode. <laughs> I mean, there's also like, we could easily do part two of Melbourne. Like there's yeah, so uh, many... For like, sure. There's like, actually, I, don't, I think we've barely scratched I mean, the service on this episode because uh, I had a bunch that I saw that I'm like, don't really have time to dive into that, so we can certainly do another lap around. Yeah, Hell we yeah. could also end up just doing around Australia. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, guys, that's enough. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna Add crack out top. the calendars. We're gonna book some episodes <laughs> live. Uh, so yeah, we're we're going to Tasmania today. We haven't really covered much Tasmania. I think the only Tasmania thing we've done Bernie? with Bernie, Bernie, with the great Josh Earl. Yes, yeah. is but that really the only one. Yeah, okay. There is a lot Not of. Um, and I blew my. Best true crime Tasmania story on the Patreon. So Sign if you want to mm. listen to the story of, um, oh God, what's her name? <laughs> Bella, not- Belle Gibson. Belle Gibson. Uh, Belle who Gibson. Uh, conned a bunch of people by pretending she had cancer. <laughs> pretending she was Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> just somehow worse. Just got away with it <laughs> yeah, for years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I made that joke on that app too. So uh, if you want to hear that. Watch Braveheart yeah. last night too. Did you? Like, yeah. Great no, movie. I hate that Great. movie. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, because you're English. You no, it's not. I tend to not like. You said it was too long to me. Uh, yeah, it's too long. I it's tend to very not, long for that era. I tend to not like historical epics either. Like I don't like Gladiator. I fell asleep during that. Well, I apparently, was I was boring. reading like the controversies, and it seemed like all these English toffs are like it's the most historical, inaccurate movie ever. And then like you, and it is like as in like the timelines don't. Match yeah. up with it, and but they're like saying and Mel he Gibson wouldn't have keeps wed- saying the N words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he keeps saying uh, they the they're like oh the played uh, tartan things they didn't have that at that era, and it's like it seems like they're trying to pick holes in what is effectively like the English were horrible to the Scottish yeah. by yeah. sort of picking apart the costumes <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean it's a great movie. It's still. fucking rules. It's I very mean in violent. terms of plot holes, that actually kind of leads into what I was going to talk oh, okay. about for my true crime story because this one is like. This one was quite fascinating. I uh, 
I'll get into some of the like theories about it later, but this uh, this is um the disappearance of Bob Chapel. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this? No. Anyone heard? You guys heard of this? Anyone heard of this? <laughs> no. this? Heard Bob Chapel's in the news, everybody. This guy knows what I'm talking about. Is this? Does this involve a boat? Yes, it does involve. I a boat. know the story. Yes, uh, I a boat called it. Bodie McBoatface. Oh, here we go. Oh, Jesus Christ! That's kind of rando Speaking humor of that we English, do on this podcast. English fucking door. <laughs> I thought that was uh, an Australian. No, that was an English. Oh, was it? Okay, so it was January twenty sixth. 2009. Uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> yep. And Susan, Neil Fraser, and her partner, Bob Chappell, were spending the day working on their brand new yacht. Uh, Neil Fraser, who owned a horse riding school in Tasmania, and Chappell, who was a chief radiation physicist, had plans to sail the ship named the Four Winds around Australia. But after the fateful night that followed, their plan was well and truly over. After a long day of work on the brand new $200,000 vessel, Chapel decided to stay on board overnight to continue repairs on the yacht as Neil Fraser returned home. It was the last time Chapel would be seen alive. Mm-hmm. The next morning, the Four Winds was found half sunk in the waters at Sandy Bay. When police boarded the Four Winds that morning, they noticed blood on the steps, a knife on the floor of the wheelhouse, and a torch with blood on it. There was no trace of Chapel. The yacht was low in the water and sinking. The causes were located. A pipe to the forward toilet had been cut, allowing seawater to flow in. It was also discovered that a seacock, which is the name of it. Mm-hmm. I laughed at it too when I read it. <laughs> what uh, it? Well, yeah, what's a seacock? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I typed in seacock and a lot of different stuff. Is that came where you get oh, shrinkage after coming out of the It was King Triton. <laughs> a cock is like a it. plumbing thing. Yeah, so yeah. It must be like the thing that's... So they discovered that a seacock under the flooring in the forward part of the yacht had been opened, yeah. allowing seawater to flow in. Mm. Police, experienced in marine and rescue services and with watercraft, took the view that the person responsible for cutting the pipe and opening the seacock <laughs> had, had an intimate knowledge <laughs> of cool. four winds, particularly in the case of seacock which was under a carpet and panel and which served no apparent purpose. So it's someone who knows this boat. Apparently that's what they that was their first thought. Okay. They were like, okay, so like if a random comes on, they're not going to be like, all right, everyone, we've killed this cunt, look for the seacock. Yeah. This isn't right. their first seacock. Yeah, this isn't their first go on the old seacock. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a long run joke. <laughs> There's a lot of miles to get out of it. Um, okay, so divers searched an area around Four Winds and to the south of it. Because of poor visibility, it was impossible for the divers to find objects on the bottom. As a consequence, sonar equipment was used to search roughly the same areas. 90 items of interest were located with the sonar. Only 25 of them were dived on. None of them were the body of Bob Chapel. Mm, a lot of old boots. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> a book of fishing cliches. <laughs> uh, so Neil Fraser pretty much becomes a suspect instantly because people always say, like, look at the loved ones. And she doesn't help herself. What's her name, sorry? Uh, Sue Neil Fraser. Oh, I thought you said Neil Fraser. Like yeah, that yeah. was his name. Oh, no, uh, no okay. it's Sue like Lucas Fra- Neil. Oh, right. That's her name. Her mm-hmm. surname is Neil, Neil Fraser. Fraser. Gotcha. Yeah. So she becomes a suspect. She doesn't cover herself in glory because her story keeps changing every time she's interviewed. At first, she says she left the yacht and she goes to Bunnings for multiple hours and that then she went home and stayed home alone that night. You can really lose yourself in a Bunnings. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. That's <laughs> Especially a good it's like me. a Saturday, the sausage sizzles <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a whole day. That's boys. me. They're like, where were you between 2 p.m. and 7 p.m.? I'm like, Bunnings. I'm like, what else? I'm like, no, you, you heard me correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I was at aisle eight. I I in the We've done this on the pod before, but when I go to Bunnings and people are like, you could lose yourself in there. I'm just like at the glass looking across at Victoria's basement. <laughs> <laughs> just being like, look at all the glorious cookware. <laughs> there are two 
types of people and yeah. they find themselves on opposite sides yeah, of that road yeah, in Alexandria. Yeah, yeah. yeah, me and you doing the pod together is a real Romeo and Juliet situation. <laughs> <laughs> like, Victoria's basement people do not associate with Bunnings buying people. Jamie's <laughs> buying like a mandolin and stuff like that. I have one of those. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, so she says she's at Bunnings. Police examine CCTV footage and they find no evidence of her being there. And she says she's there for fucking like hours, mm. like wandering all the aisles. Also, they uh, look at the Bunnings and they find out that it shuts at six that night. Mm. And she left at 4.40. So she f- like physically couldn't have been there four hours mm-hmm. because there's a one hour window. Um, at this point, they press her on that and she goes, oh, I'm pretty sure I was there, which isn't a great thing, you know. But, yeah. like, I always wonder about that, though. Like, if I had not killed someone and someone was like, you've killed someone, where were you? Would I be able to be like, okay, I went to the metro and then I went home and then I did this? Yeah. Oh, man, I, I might, I might just be like, I damn, yesterday. maybe I was at the pub? Like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But Depends it's a lot far, of pressure, like, too. Like, if someone was like, where were you? And I was like, I went to metro. And they're like, no, you didn't. I'd be like, didn't I? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a false confession guy so easily. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jamie would be arrested for 9-11 if he was nearby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, you did it. And they're like, maybe. They'd be like, <laughs> you're just a person of interest. I'm like, cough me. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Uh, uh, yeah, so, um, so basically then what happens is she says she also received a phone call at her home uh, later in the night from a man called Richard King. And this man has never... Yeah, Dick King. He's the Dick King. <laughs> uh, he's g- given her a Dick King. And uh, he's never talked to um, Neil Fraser before. Neil Fraser's never met him either. Uh, but basically this guy, King, he's a friend of Claire Chapel, who is Bob Chapel's daughter. Mm. She said um, that uh, Richard King told her on this phone call, like he calls up and he's like, hey, I'm a friend of your husband's daughter. She's got some like mental illness problems and she's having like fancies and delusions at, mo- at the moment that something is happening to Bob on the yacht, like as we speak, Whoa. like he's come to harm. So she, um, at this point, she's told the police twice, I think that she got this call, but she stayed at home. And then it turns out she changes the story again and says that the call unnerved her so much that she drove to Maryville Esplanade to check on the yacht. But from the distance she was at, she couldn't see anything going down or anything like he's sus, fine. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drive past. He's on the distance. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's all right. He's got red paint on <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> the yacht's at a funny angle. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and then uh, she says she can't see anything going down and she goes home. This is the first time she mentions leaving the house and it's been like three interviews at that point. She's re-interviewed. Swung by Bunnings on the way home. Yeah, right? yeah. She now claims she had been mistaken about going to Bunnings and mixed up the days. The police then also found a red jacket that belonged to Neil Fraser on the Sandy Bay waterfront. At first, she said it was not mine until they tested it for DNA and it was covered in her DNA. And she went, Oh, yeah, it is mine. Fucking yes. come on. Yeah, so, go. like, police at this, this, like, it gets a bit in more interesting here. And um, I'll give you some commentary on it later. But so, police at this point are naturally, like, pretty sus on it, right? Because mm-hmm. she's changed her story a bunch of times. She's got a jacket that's at, like, near ish the scene that she has said wasn't hers and has been proven to be hers. Mm-hmm. So, she's. They start building a case against her. She's arrested. She's charged with murder. And things get a bit odder. While she's in prison waiting her hearing, uh, this is almost a year later, they find some DNA on... They found some DNA on the boat that didn't match either Chapel or Neil Fraser. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they find who the DNA matches to. And it's matched to a 15-year-old homeless girl called Megan Vass, who has no prior connection with either of these people. So it's like an incredible weird coincidence that this DNA ended up on the boat. Yeah. 
so Vass is interviewed a bunch of times by the police and she denies all knowledge of ever being on the boat or says that she can't remember. And so uh, this is where like a, a, a few of the Neil Fraser supporters, and there are many who are like, no, she didn't do it. Like, you guys have just zeroed in on her. This is police incompetence. You've bungled the investigation. What about Megan Vass? Mm-hmm. Like, she was on the boat. She, she's a viable alternate suspect, but she keeps saying, I haven't been on the boat. Um, so Also, I'm a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, so what's it, my motive? It is a bit odd that the DNA is there, but the in court they argue that it's some kind of, like, crazy secondary transfer. Yeah. Like, that maybe, like, he shook her hand or, like, brushed into her and then, like, it ended up on the boat that night. Mm-hmm. And so... Or the, she just was, like, a homeless girl who slept on the boat a week before... Because she was homeless, yes, and didn't want to tell anyone because yes. she thinks she's I in mean, trouble. I mean, it's like yeah, the most and the, the other problem ever. is she's also like said she hasn't ever been to the harbor and has no because she to go there. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. she just doesn't want to get involved. Like, but you but know. um, so the the crown argues that like forget all that shit. Like, look how many times she's changed her story. Yeah, we can't. They, and by the way, a body's never been found, even to this day. What? Yeah. So yeah. this is dock. The boat is docked at harbor. Uh, no, it was out. So, like, she took a dinghy back and... Uh, right. Okay. So, it could have been swept out. Yeah. Thrown off overboard and swept out easily yep. enough. Right. Um, so, she's found guilty uh, because the manner of the crime scene seems too well planned to just be a coincidental stranger attack. So, people are saying, hey, even if this Megan Vass was on the boat, like, she cut the line, she did the thing with the sea cock. She's yeah. planned, like, you don't plan, like a crime of opportunity is rarely like cleaned up and mm-hmm. then planned this well, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, she's sentenced to 26 years in prison. But at this point, there are a bunch of like supporters of Neil Fraser who think she's totally innocent and that the vast thing points to a viable alternate suspect. So there is a um, podcast made about it with a, mm-hmm. um, with a homicide detective, um, Called, I think it's called Who Killed Bob? And um, there's also a documentary movie made about it by people mm. who think that the... Like, people are saying that the police are incompetent and they fucked up the investigation, either by mistake or on purpose. It does sound a little bit thin to convict her, mm. right? Like, it certainly is person of interest. But, like, I, she's not... Like, literally, it's just changing a story jacket found nearby. No DNA of hers. She also has, like, a big cut on her hand. Mm. And she didn't have it like before, and they're like, "Where'd you get the cut?" And she's like, "Eh, Bunnings. what cut?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a few things. I but don't know if you got into this, but Vass eventually did a 60 yes, minute interview. I will get okay, there. Cool. Mm. So, uh, so this I didn't get time to listen to the podcast or watch the movie because I've been very busy reviewing Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. You can check it out on ImpulseGamer.com. It's a very good game. <laughs> uh, but it it seems like these people have got like the documentary was pretty critically acclaimed, I think, and they're like very much like pointing out an alternate theory. And I did see an article where like someone from a major newspaper was like, she's guilty. And then this woman kind of did what you mentioned before. It's like, here are 41 points where you've got it wrong. And they range from like, this could be a police mistake to like, well, she had blue shoes and they're red shoes, you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, Pretty pedantic stuff. But these, uh, so these two pieces of media are made. They're very adamant that, Bob Chappell didn't do it. I mean, Bob Chappell was murdered by someone else and that Neil Fraser is innocent. Neil Fraser uh, doesn't want to get parole. So she's got 26 (laughs) years, 13 years on parole. But if you get parole, it assumes that you're guilty. Well, I think you have to admit 
guilt yes. to get parole. So she oh. says she's never going to go for parole because she wants to leave prison an innocent woman. She appeals twice, uh, and both times the appeals are quashed. Um, while this is all happening in the appeal process, Megan Vass starts changing her story. Mm. In 2017, she tells Neil Fraser's former lawyer she had been on the yacht and she had been on there with two other people that she didn't want to name. Uh, later in 2017, she changes the story back and says she's never been on. And then mm. in 2019, she goes on 60 Minutes and says she was on the yacht with two other blokes and that she watched one of them assault Bob Chappell and said there was a lot of blood there, but that she got, like, freaked out and vomited, so didn't see, like, a killing blow or anything. And then when they press her a bit more, she's like, my memory's hazy. Okay. Uh, so she signs an affidavit saying that she was on the yacht, but then she recants that again and tells an appeal hearing she was coerced into giving that evidence. Okay. Uh, so Neil Fraser's legal team, they abandoned the evidence of VAS, which they were using as like the pillar of their appeal. Being but like, you don't have to prove that VAS did it to get an appeal. You just have to prove that there's enough doubt. Like, do you know what I mean? Yes. But that's surely well, enough the to appeal, get a the appeal thing isn't um, based on that, actually. The appeal thing is that new... I think it's called like new and fascinating evidence coming to light. Like yeah, the sure. stuff that okay. irrevocably changes. Right. But when they go like, hey, it's vast and she keeps recanting and like recanting and decanting her story, <laughs> I guess. Uh, when she keeps doing that, they're like, well, this isn't, this isn't enough. I get it. I thought, yeah, no, I thought her signing an affidavit saying, I saw yeah. this guy get whacked in the head, but if she's going to. Yeah. So uh, also like while this appeal is happening, three people are charged with perverting the course of justice because they give false evidence or misleading evidence in Neil Fraser's defense. So they find that three people have been making like false statements supporting Neil Fraser. And in one case, like doing it for like an amount of money. Holy moly. So and someone like group? almost tries to link it back to like the documentary filmmaker, but that stuff's a bit unclear. So she's an old, she's a rich old duck in Hobart or whatever, or Tassie. And she's got a lot of rich old supporters, right? Like, yes. Like this is crazy that she's got such well, so support. motive motive back in the day was that like, she did this for financial gain. Like mm -hmm. Bob Chappell's even richer this way. She does, it gets away clean and she gets even more money. And also that, like, there's a lot of theories about how their relationship was on the rocks and that she'd mentioned to people that, like, she might want to exit the relationship, which I think the documentary went pretty hard on, like, hey, there's no actual fucking evidence of that. Like, the, the mm. only, like, evidence on file is that, like, they are in a nice relationship. Was there any speculation that this homeless chick was, like, engaging in sex work and Bob was a bit of a pervert and that's why she's on no, the No, not really. Like, the, the thing about the girl was mostly that she came on board with two, like, guys and they intended to steal the boat. And Bob Chap mm. was like, what are you doing on my boat? And then the guy flies off the handle and beats him to death. Right. And then... But, like, also, like, the guy is, after he's killed, he's, like, way down with a fire extinguisher and chucked overboard. And then, like, you've got to remember, like, the seacock and the toilet line being cut. Like, I mean, if I wandered onto a boat and killed some bloke, I wouldn't be, like, if I, I would ask for dynamite if I wanted to sink it, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't be, like, it's as simple as cutting this wire. Yeah, yeah. they could be wharfy dudes, though, you know? They, they might could not, be, yeah. Stuff like, like that. So there, there well, is, I, didn't, I was sus when it was, they were pinning it on the girl, but her being accessory there is... More viable, but also, why wouldn't she just? Well, I mean, them like, up? this is why, like, eventually, I do want to get around and listen to the podcast and watch the documentary because, like, these people are so adamant that she's innocent. Yeah. But, like, if you look at any simple facts on the media reporting, it's like, all right, well, she's lied like 17 yeah. times. Yeah. 
No one has ever presented an alternate suspect. Like, she's left physical material nearby that she's lied about. And also, during the appeal process, three people have been found to fabricate evidence for her. And plus what, the cut. On and the then, hand. like, what the, about the phone call from the crazy kooky daughter? Yeah, Did they, they ever fall? Like, that's wild. Yeah, yeah that's a And weird so, one. like, eventually, she's out of prison now because <sighs> she took parole. Mm, so, oh, like, eventually. Guilty. Yes. <laughs> well, like, you know, it's just to, like to some people. I mean, like, I'll take parole in a second. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, also. I've like, got no morals. Oh, oh dude, I'll, I'll admit, admit to kidnapping the Lindbergh baby. Yeah, yeah, I'll do yeah, I'd do anything to get Pin parole. Pin it all on me, man. You know, just let but me like out. for someone who's like beating the drum so hard, like some people were like, mm, she ended up taking parole, did you? Nah. You know, like I, I, I will say that like without having consumed these alternate pieces of media that by all accounts seem to be very well constructed and very informative, like the straight major metro media mm. makes it pretty clear that you know, yep. there straight is no and real. Metro, that's that name's <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Alex White media. We <laughs> call it. Straddle that line. Yeah. <laughs> the old Bunnings Victoria's basement line. So uh, yeah, that's the story. She damn. she's now out, and she has like these supporters groups. And I think like recently she went to like a vigil of Bob Chapel as well. Like because and they still hold like uh, it should also be said like she has pretty high up supporters like some Tasmanian MPs and like people. She like, sounds in the like media quite a. I stuff. mean, I don't know. But it sounds like she's quite like, connected. Even old. like um, Bob Chappell's son, like when they were like, hey, we're going to parole her. Like, do you not want this to happen? He's like, man, she's not going to kill anyone else. Yeah. Like, look at it. Like, That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact she got, like, if that was, you know, the, the accusation is it's murder. It's probably some domestic well, was, thing. Like, you, you, you're almost always going to get let out of prison at some point for that. This is a, a question like, I was thinking about on the way here. Mm. Um, and listeners, if you know this, if it's ever happened before, I just was wondering if you guys know. Do you, apart from like OJ Simpson, who like mm-hmm. murdered someone and then was gonna release that book, like if I did it, here's how. Mm. Has, do you know of anyone who has claimed innocence, like for their whole incarceration, got parole and then got out and been like, psych, I did it? Mm. I don't know that they openly admitted it like yeah. that. But that's what I mean. Is there anyone in the course of, because like if you then admit it, can you be sent back or? Or are you, nah. like that's well, what I mean. It. Like if you're out on parole, can you just be like, ha, "I did it, you fuckers!" Like I got out. I don't know. I, I, because I mean, you're getting out on parole under the assumption that you're a guilty person. Yeah, that's right. So like, surely there's got to be one person who gets out and was like, "That innocence thing, all bullshit." Maybe, uh, there'd be people doing it down. At maybe the pub. they can revoke your parole. Like your parole, you're not. You can yeah, get thrown back in. You, could, you yeah, could but you have to violate the terms that's of the parole. The, and the violation of the terms may be. Coming out and saying, ha ha, you know, no, 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 no. But that, I mean, like, because that, that would be wild to me. Like, if someone, like, oh, who had yeah. made their bones, like, going on, you know, TV programs. I'm sure like, someone I'm like Chopper stuff. Reed did Chopper, that. Yeah. Chopper would have pled not guilty. Painful. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then went on a book tour after. Like, yeah. like yeah. underground guys, I'm sure yeah, there's a million examples. Chopper, though, is like Dem- one where the, where it's like some people, like, Chopper didn't actually do a lot of those killings. Like, he just bragged. Like, I want someone, like, dead to rights, like, yeah. A guy who kills someone he loves and is like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, gets out and is like, but I did. That might the Michael mm. Peterson staircase one I'd love. That that's I don't know if you saw that show. Oh, uh, is that the great. thing with the owl? Yeah. But yeah. he is adamant and didn't do it, didn't do it. And I don't know if he's dead or but he was quite old. And 
like that to me, I was always like, that might be a deathbed confession. Yeah. Because he was mm-hmm. like, ad and, 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 uh, you know, got, yeah, jail, but I don't want appeal. deathbed confession. I want release confession. You want to, yeah, you want them on Jimmy Fallon saying. <laughs> yeah, that. well, I, that's what I like. If anyone has any example, yeah, of that I'd love to see it. I got a quick uh, palate cleanser because I think you got another one, Kirk, right? Uh, but I've blathered on for a bit, so we might do okay. your one. Yeah, so yeah, if that's yeah, fine. Okay. Fits at the end. Um, this is just like a little Bernie offcut that I missed um, with our episode with um, Josh. Um, and it's just, it's classic Tasmanian local council. We, oh, we love it already. Yes. Um, and it just basically this guy's excuse for what he did, right? So councillor Darren Fairbrother, he was found guilty of flashing a woman and her son, his penis at the beach. Good. This is the palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> um, and apparently I was like looking around Reddit for some like backstory and there's a lot of, um, people being like. He's been known to do this for years, but no one ever did shit because he was a counselor, whatever. But he's the wo- counselor, he's a counselor. Oh my god! What, so he's been getting away with flashing his dong, and people this like, is but a, this is Reddit speculation. I don't know how true it is, but the woman who this person that he eventually did it to and was taken to court and found guilty, he happened to flash the uh, crown prosecutor. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, but how about this, right? Could my day get any worse? So this is his excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Is, yep, is, this is me. I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> here's, here's his excuse for flashing this uh, woman and her son. Uh, Councillor Fairbrother had previously told the court he was wearing a G-string underneath his string-drawn shorts when they fell down after becoming snagged on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, come on. What kind of cartoon slapstick is that? That's so funny. What a fucking idiot. Uh, so that's, a, that's some good old Tassie like local the bare politics. bare minimum, he's like, oh, yeah, all right, I was rocking a G-banger. Like, <laughs> absolute. He's like, I can't get out of this. Completely clean here. I'm down in the pitch with a G-banger on. And a uh, pelican landed on my head. <laughs> <and a fella. laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, all right. Flashes are weird little cunts, aren't they? What's that? Flashes. They're oh, weird that's strange. Cunts, yeah. It's... It's almost comical as long as it's it's not good, but you always just hope it stays at that, and that's you not get, the thin you, end of the way. You wedge, don't hear right? much about the big coat guy anymore. Like it used to be, that was the typical flasher was a guy with a big overcoat on and nothing else. Yeah, but I feel like that's gone by the wayside. Mm. I don't know. It's out, out of fashion. Yeah. yeah, they're all the slapstick flashes. Now. <laughs> yeah, they're all well, g-string tripping over rocks. Yeah, you got like a Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> attached to your g-string. That's like that Nathan Fielder episode. <laughs> oh yeah, that. yeah, that's a great that's episode so of television. Nah. Oh, what is the thing? He, he has a thing called like the claw, and he's a t- he's it's handcuffed. Like, it's like a ma- he's magic atta- act, yeah, right. And he's attached to a machine that, after one hour, will pull his pants down and reveal his penis to a crowd of children, and guaranteeing him to get arrested. But his whole thing is like he can escape out of it. <laughs> so it's like a David Blaine trick, and it's like this is a police officer <laughs> is, who's here to yeah. witness oh, and will great. send me to jail. It, it is like, like a- an incredibly daring <laughs> piece <laughs> of hilarious. television. It's great. Oh, all right, so now our palates are cleansed. Let's get into the uh, Let's get gri- horrendous. Oh, the oh, yeah, we can do that. It's getting sweaty in here. Yeah. Oh, one sec. You guys I'm a sweaty little do, pig. Uh, fun banter while I do this. It is getting fucking hot, especially after that hot story. Ah, uh, thank you. Man, this banter is really falling flat. Yeah, Alex, Jesus we need Christ. you back really bad. Ow. Alex, we need you. Cancel your Melbourne so run. <laughs> we can't hold on. <laughs> Ah, well, we will have to get... Well, yeah, we'll get a blow-up sex doll with your face. 
I'll just pull my string on my back and I'll make a fat joke about Jamie yeah. or something like that. Drew uh, is short. Drew is short. <laughs> Drew is short. Maybe we can uh, get the wedding speech and cut it up into yeah. little things. By the way, me and Jamie, if you're having a wedding. Oh, we haven't talked about the wedding. Uh, did we not on the Patreon? No, Drewy and Han. Amazing way. Yeah. Unbelievable. Amazing I heard the speeches were great. The speeches. Me and Jamie are starting a small business. Well, I heard one speech was really good. Yeah. Well, one dual speech. Yeah. Uh, no, it was uh, so much fun. Amazing day. Joey's a married man. Any yeah, changes? You got the ring on. You got the ring? Three married men. Look at this. No ring over there. Kirky doesn't wear it. Oh, Kirky boy. What I mean, know? look. Because he wants to pick up women at the yeah. front. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a fiddler. That's the most likely scenario. Um, let's get into this. Let's do it. Um, so, Port Arthur. This is um, the, the big one. This is bad. Content warning. Yeah, I'm not going to try to be too, like, the actual. Yeah, but uh, it is pretty grim. It's so. pretty grim, and it's not conducive to a uh, fun podcast. But the backstory is very interesting. And if we we're should not, do that content warning at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> <A> comedic <laughs> one, yeah. horrendous one. I mean, it's, t- it's Tasmanian underbelly. They're never that yeah. too. They're never that lighthearted. But um, basically, um, Port Arthur. I, and this is how dumb I am. Like it's, it it was before there's a tourist destination, right? I just thought it was like a town. Yeah, and then you. Go, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, because it's an old like prison or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, so it's an old historic um, uh, penal colony, and basically people would visit it like you would old Sydney town or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things where you would go there and it's a little bay, um, an old pink sandstone ruins, um, and it was uh, visitors would see the horrors of the convict colony, which had closed in 1877. Conservation work by the Tassie government. In the 80s, preserved the site, upgraded it, facilitated um, the, the tourism trade there. So, it's and Tassie was the Tassie was the Australia of Australia. Like yeah, the worst convicts would get sent to Tassie. Exactly, like second it, penal colony. It was thought of as as a as an Alcatraz in mm. a in an inescapable prison, and that's why a couple of the uh, prisoners who did escape um, from uh, Port Arthur have some interesting stories including some cannibals shit that they got up to so that's another um episode we could probably dive into but any in any case it was uh you know a pretty popular and it's a like i i went down and by the way i love tassie i've only been once but oh i've never been apparently it's amazing yeah awesome but only for a weekend we didn't get around to go to port arthur but we went um to mona um and a bunch of other things and it was so much fun so i definitely want to go down there and see it but yeah it's a Seems like um, a really beautiful part of <clears throat> Port Arthur, really beautiful part of Tassie. And uh, yeah, so a guy by the name of Martin Bryant uh, grew up in the area. and uh, Marty Brighton? Marty Brighton. Okay. <laughs> Please try to lighten this up as we go. I encourage this. Uh, we're going to have to You get encourage this. Marty Brighton? <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything. I'll take anything. I'll take anything. I'll take anything. Drew, this is your chance to open your notes up and get all of your worst riffs out. <laughs> no limits. <laughs> what if we call it Marty Brightsester? <laughs> oh, God. So... Uh, so Martin, Martin Bryant, he would uh, he would go to the the bay nearby a lot as a child. He would dive with his father. It would calm him down. And during, um, uh, you know, the November of the year before, he was seen visiting there a lot. They started realizing he was sort of a little bit weird when he would, as a child, torture and kill animals. Mm-hmm. Which is always the first yep. indicator. Never a good sign. Tormented his younger sister. Um, and then given an air rifle by his father, Maurice, Bryant would shoot birds, watch them drop to the ground, shoot them again when they hit the ground. Oh, don't like that. Yeah. Other kids dubbed him Silly Martin. 
for his blank expression um, that and inability to communicate properly with them. Um, very silly stuff. Very almost slapstick <laughs> silly stuff. <laughs> Wacky. What a silly Billy Martin. Um, if he wasn't carrying his rifle, it was his other most treasured possession, his spear gun. So it's like Fucking brutal hell. to <laughs> get a known animal killer and tormentor of sister. Maybe we can get his aggression out by giving him weapons. <laughs> we'll yeah. make Martin ha- I don't know. His spear gun. Let's get him an air rifle. He's 12. A spear gun's uh, like deadly. Yeah. Like, I mean, like an air rifle can be, but like a spear gun. Mm. Put that to some. That's going to kill you. Absolutely. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, but this was great. I I don't know. I've never read this before. But by the age of twelve, Martin Bryant featured on the nightly news after he set himself on fire. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a jackass. Yeah, asked I didn't by even a news jackass was out, but asked by a news reporter if he would do it again. A vacant looking Bryant replied, "He would." Sick. This oh. is like Red Flag City, right? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a bit of like Tom Fool. Also, like, what do you do? Like, if you're like, oh, my son's set himself on fire twice. Like, Yeah, we film it and send it to Australia's <laughs> Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> yeah, see what Larry will say about it. Uh, yeah, sorry, I've just lost my spot here. Um, one other thing that they said was, uh, as an adult, he could give an outward impression of a normal young man. But, but, and there's all this through this, is like, he was sort of a silly boy, and then the but is always horrendous. As an outward, <laughs> he could give the outward expression of a normal young man. But he was sexually predatory towards underage girls and had interest in sex with animals. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. That's a fucking that's strong bar. That should that's be a, a bar in capital <laughs> letters. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe lead with that and yeah. say, but he gave off the appearance of a normal man. He was assessed um, and found uh, that he would uh, possibly schizophrenic and had a fascination with fire, IQ of just 68, and an intellectual function of a much oh. younger child. Um, he would swear at kids in the playground, flail his arms, and throw punches at them. He was nicknamed the Shadow from other kids because he would suddenly and silently appear alongside them in the classroom or the yard. Which I mean, so that's crazy. also oh. a dope nickname, though. Yeah, 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 that would almost reinforce yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, they call yeah. me the shadow. Uh, if the perceived, if a boy would uh, give him a slight, he would fix him with an angry glare. Um, and a teacher would later say he had wondered if there was any deep-seated resentment building up at a, um, to be used as a later time. So all these teachers have come out of the woodwork and said, ooh, you know, what about this? Um, and the, But then I love this as well because some of the things are like, he set himself on fire, he's shooting animals. And then some were like, teachers remember other people witnessed Brian's aggression like the time he pushed over a kid in the street or pulled a snorkel off a boy in the water. Like any kid is a mass murderer if those <laughs> yeah, are their yeah. signs. Like I've done that fucking He weekly. dacked a kid once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he, was, he, he dacked a kid once, but... He also fucked a pig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, even back then, he was obsessed with one-upmanship, claiming his father's car or house were bigger or better than others. This is just normal. Classic kid. Toys, yeah. bullshit. Um, he would go around and he would drive. Uh, his parents would take him to the Port Arthur Historic Site a lot. And, um, you know, he would walk around there. So he was very familiar with the area. Later on, other kids and his sister would earn money at the Broad Arrow Cafe at Port Arthur. Um, but Bryant never did. He was always in strife at the Broad Arrow Cafe. He was a nuisance there. He'd fire his air rifles at tourist cars attending the site. Spat at visitors they walked around, staring them with his icy blue eyes. So this is well. This is ten, this is when he's a kid at mm. the Port Arthur site, and yeah, he didn't yeah. live there. He lived in the Hobart, mm. and he would just visit it a lot. So at age sixteen, he left high school at year ten. Um, he had very few prospects. His father encouraged him doing gardening jobs, selling vegetables door to door, and he appeared quite harmless, chatting to customers. He was just one of those guys, and they come up say this a lot, where he would just talk to you in public, like he would just talk to people, annoying them, and um, like he just. You know, like, you know, the guys at pubs and that who just will never leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. That sort yeah, of, yeah. He was doing that. 
What? Yes. He's an old mate. He's an old mate. Um, as a young man. But as a young man. as a, And he just did. So he's quite, as an adult, he seemed quite harmless after that. And this is where it gets a little bit um, peculiar. In 1988, he met Helen Harvey. And I love this. As any character in a story, I love an eccentric spinster. Yes. <laughs> and heiress. Yeah. And he, uh, he did gardening work for her at a large rambling house at Clare Street in Newtown. And this is a little backstory on Miss Harvey. Um, she was a beneficiary in the will to the founder of Tattersall's Lotto, Tats Lotto. So, oh, wow. cool. So the, and it's a little bit of Tassie history. So Tats Lotto, it, which as a company now runs every lotto in Australia, mm-hmm. including Kino, TAB, it owns TAB as well. And so this guy, George Adams, he lived in Kiama in Sydney. Um, he would visit Sydney for race meetings and uh, Tattersall's Club is an old oh. racing club. Oh, it's in the city. I'm yeah, of. yeah, yeah. And it closed down now. Oh, they used I'm to have these big armchairs that you could have a beer in and feel like a real old mate. So <laughs> Tats Lotto and Tats Club are all named from Tattersall's Club, which is like a racing club in the UK, and they've all right. spawned off the same. So I've got the same common lineage, but he would frequent this hotel that ran a club. So it wasn't Tattersall's Club. It was a hotel that had a meeting of this racing club. Yep. He was a good man. With- and they called them race meetings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, maybe change it to go fast meetings or something. Yeah. So he was, um, he was a man with uh, many friends, a good mixer. He also had a pretty good business acumen. And how about this? Three years living in Kiama, traveling to Sydney, going to O'Brien's Hotel in Pitt Street. His friends, George Hill, Bill Archer, and George Lowesby, decided to buy the hotel for Adams. Oh, Since George Adams liked the O'Briens and they liked George Adams, and they said you can pay us back when you can. So Fuck! Imagine being so charismatic. Someone buys you a, a couple of like imagine done. me and you go, we, us all going to the fucking Bali so much. People are like, why don't you have it? Yeah, <laughs> boys, here you go. <laughs> pay us back Here's when you can. Yeah, Happy yeah. birthday! You guys are sick. So he starts running the club, the Tattersalls Club, inside the hotel. It's called Adams Hotel, and he's running sweepstakes and race meetings. But eventually. He runs it to the public, doing sweeps, and it starts being a big thing. The opposition to gambling from religious bodies kicks him out, 1892. Uh, he has to move to Queensland. The same thing, he gets kicked out. And then Ta- Hobart, the Tassie government, burgeoning Tassie government, um, they are the Bank of Van Diemen's Land, used to be what mm. Tassie used to be called, but now the bank there was into liquidation and they needed someone to help get rid of the assets and um, uh, raise money. And George Adam was um, sort of licensed to conduct a lottery for the assets of the bank. So he sold 300,000 tickets at a pound each. The first prize was the bank building itself and the land. The second prize was a hotel. So all the bank had all these assets from people who were delinquent on mortgages and the bank went bust. And he sold lottery tickets to win all the prizes of the of the houses and everything around the city and that got quite popular and then he basically started doing normal lotteries and in 1930 no the 1930s the Tattersalls had supplied the Tasmanian government because he was basically giving them a fee obviously um Tasmanian government got half its revenue from Tatslot. Oh, wow. <laughs> so eventually, but when he set up the company, um, George Adams structured the company so the original workers' families would inherit the profits. This created all these Tatterzol's heirs. So anyway, uh, uh, the general managers uh, of the first general manager of the company, her, his granddaughter was Helen Harvey. So all these people in Tassie just got all these profits when he died and everything. It just started. And he dies making, and just a, like a million people become rich. Or it's like Google or something where it's like the yeah. first employees yeah. become like the million dollar secretaries and all that stuff. I like the pod. 
or like our pod. That's how we're going to fund our pod. Uh, also known as a Ponzi scheme as well. Um, so Bryant, uh, anyway, so Bryant starts helping this Miss Harvey. He's back about Bryant. So she's this old eccentric spinster. It's all this money. And uh, he starts helping her with the shopping, traveling with her large collection of This is cars. like Harold and Maud at this point. It's, it's a little bit of a weird relationship. Um, 1991, she bought a farm halfway between Hobart and Port Arthur and moved in with Bryant. Oh. And her animals and newly acquired miniature horses and pigs. Bryant reportedly had a favorite pig that he slept with mm. in his bedroom, which reportedly soiled his bedroom so bad, Mrs. Harvey had to replace the carpet in it three times. Jesus Christ. And he's got to assume he's fucking this pig. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant Miss Harvey. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a swish. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, they don't... You know who? Who? I mean, would that's be like surprised. Michael Jackson territory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love pigs. I don't, I don't sleep with the pig. He just, he just shits his pants so wildly to replace a cup. I like, <laughs> the, I like the curly little tail. <laughs> 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 just keep shitting his little pants. <laughs> 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 oh, it's funny. Light in the mood with a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. eventually, but she lavished funds on Bryant, bought him smart clothes, but and he patrolled the property with his rifle, firing off shots in the middle of the night, threatened to shoot the neighbors. And confessed to them he had thought of killing Miss Harvey to speed up his inheritance. Right? So she had told Wait, him. So he was going to get her money. She told him at some point, I'll leave this all to you. She's a spinster, no children, no um, direct relatives, I imagine. So um, the pair would go driving with a miniature horse in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> I like, love it. Such, if it didn't have a dark ending, yeah, this yeah, is like yeah, a slapstick fucking like movie. Yeah. If you're just watching this, the movie of this without knowing the history. <laughs> I like, mean, honestly, like if you Daisy. like released this in 2006, Chris Pontius would be in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so the pair was the go driving around, um, and uh, this is this is even better. So Bryant, with all this money, began to wear a Panama hat and speak with an English accent. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Drew messaged me a couple of weeks ago talking about getting Panama hats. Oh my god! When I'm in my forties. <laughs> so what? Three, three years? years? <laughs> That's way. That's a ways away. Uh, um, so he's if always you've got enough time to start practicing your English accent for the next three years. <laughs> oh, so I've got a story about some conspiracy <laughs> theories. I do. I think I would right, prefer mate. to come home and see you in her fucking underwear. <laughs> Panama, practicing I think she'd in probably accent. prefer a pig shooting yeah. the bed. Uh, so uh, he was always, she was always lavishing money around in her wallet and you know pulling wads of cash around. And and she said to neighbours that sometimes when she drove with Brian in the passenger seat, he would grab the steering wheel. <sighs> one time, and then uh, one Ute had been totaled this way, and two other vehicles had crashed into embankments. For this reason, she said she never drove faster than 30 kilometers because he kept grabbing the steering wheel. Oh in not October 1992, Mrs. Harvey Imagine was- being stuck behind a slow car. You're losing your mind. And then you're like, is that a miniature horse in the back? And he keeps getting jerked to the side. <laughs> I can't speed up because he keeps grabbing the wheel. And he's like, I don't have none. I'd lose oh, my fucking mind. I'm in the colonies here. I don't know what's going on. Um, pip, so- pip. Um, so Mrs. Harvey, in ni- October 1902, Mrs. Harvey was killed near Coping Farm in a collision with another car. Paramedics pulled Bryant from the wreckage. Oh, oh. Right. what about the horse? The horse was, uh, <laughs> had a long face, but other than that, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, she everyone suspects, although he, he's never been he's, the he's never been pinned on it that he killed her. Yeah, either intentionally or just being. An absolute head case, right? Yeah. That night, Bryant's father, Maurice, who he had a strained relationship, arrived at the farm. Bryant was hospitalized for months with neck and back injuries. And Maurice turned up at the farm. Um, she left it all to him. 
sold all the farm animals taking over and basically got all the farm into shapes like my son's you know not for quid he can't be there by himself and mrs harvey left a whole bunch of her estate to my dear friend martin bryant um and um then martin bryant starts getting in trouble with local schools for behaving inappropriately towards children he asked to stop hanging around a school for trying to speak with the young girls there and then he's basically um He's sort of going this, you know, he's got all this money, but he's a little bit all over the shop. And in 1993, his dad's living at the farm with him. His dad goes missing. There's a note at the door saying, call the police. When they arrive, Martin Bryant was trimming the grass with a lawn clipper. Officers scoured the four dams on the property and found Maurice's body face down with a weighted diving belt around his neck in four meters of water and a suicide note um, with... Uh, wads of thousands of dollars of cash was found in a vehicle by police and the police deemed the death unnatural. Mm. So it didn't look like a suicide. Yeah, right. But it was framed as a suicide. And uh, Maurice um, was eventually ruled to a committed suicide. But as happened after Helen Harvey's death, tongues wagged. So already he's potentially knocked off two people. Yes. Mm. Not, I don't think people, I just certainly didn't know I don't know, know about like, because 68 IQ, I don't know if he's pulling off a fake suicide. That seems. was what I thought would it'd be a little bit like, uh, my my name is dad and I kill myself. <laughs> you know, like, like I'd be able to pretty quickly determine. So, but they did say the police <laughs> determined it. I don't know, does unnatural mean suicide or? No, I think. Oh, it, maybe it could. Maybe that just means. By, yeah, did not an act like. Oh yeah, maybe it's the opposite of natural, right? Yeah. So natural is just a normal. Sure, death, so okay, maybe yeah, comes fair enough. Suicide. But it does say tongues were wagging, okay. so let's uh, <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, wagging inside some pig's ass, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he he began to spend conspicuous amounts of money flying out on trips around Australia and the world. Um, apparently, he would. And as I said before, as an old mate, he would sit in the plane and if you sat next to Martin, he would talk to you the entire flight oh, about a name. So imagine going to London on a oh, flight God. where he's yammering in your yeah, ear. Yeah, that's probably the worst thing he's this done. This is probably <laughs> the worst. This is the lowest of the low for Martin. Um, and apparently people said he approached them. And they, they remember Martin approaching them in London airports, acting strange, very sleazy and intense manner. And he talked to everyone around him on a flight back to Australia, becoming being too friendly. He kept talking about money the entire trip. He talked about how much money he had, living in lots of money. Um, at his house, um, he started amassing a huge pornography collection, <laughs> included videos of bestiality. Okay. Um, he uh, basically showed children, local children, porno. Oh, man, pl- come on. No, not just porno playing cards. Oh, right. Okay. So okay. Th- it was probably grooming for that. But parents se- severed the connection. So he's in a lot of yeah. trouble. He's just, he's, don't worry. It was just porno playing. Yeah. yeah. We're just playing Snap. Well done, this poor. Um, I'll, I'll probably hurry this along. Um, but in this is what blows my mind. And I don't really understand this at all. But even after all this, he's still dating women. He has two Fairly decent long-term relationships in this what? time. In 1994, a young Hobart woman, um, and, and her name's public, but, you know, let's say, just call her Jeanette, uh, met Bryant via their mothers, and that's a photo of them together. It's like oh, She just looks like a normal, normal person. Girl. Yeah, yeah. And so he dated her for eight months. Wow. And she dropped him. Uh, just the bar is so low. <laughs> I mean, it must be. Imagine being the guy after him. Like, she, you could do anything. And she's like, you're amazing. You don't like bestiality? And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm a good catch. You tell me you don't show porn to little <laughs> children? What a catch. She dropped him after eight months because he was too weird. He was very, very nice. Very nice. I thought he was too nice. 
Um, but she met him. Um, he would he would be nice to her mom, drive around. Um, but this is funny because they met a bunch of times, and then and then um, they sort of like were in social circles together, and then. Um, after he had all this money, she declined to offer to date him at some point. He seemed like a nice guy. But next time she ran into him, he seemed like a very different person because it was 1995. He was wearing a bandana and a bad boy's jacket popularized <laughs> by the 1990 film starring Will Smith. Oh, my God. It was a huge shock. Um, Jeanette says because he looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. He seems so different. So in touch. And he's a good-looking guy if you see the photos of him. Mm. Like, blonde hair, and she's like, you long blonde hair, blue eyes, huge muscles. He was rich. I did like him a lot. They see each other for eight months. He's taking her to shows, and it's a little bit like he's got all this money yeah. showing around. And uh, But <laughs> he, um, he said it was very strange. He had all these teddy bears and dolls through the house. He loved, like, horror movies, and he used to pretend he was Chucky the, the doll. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and also like he would go to, um, uh, he went to Surface Paradise and perv and all the men and say they looked really good in a weird way. And there's just all this weird stuff mm -hmm. about it. But anyway, she ends up dumping him um, and he ended up dating another girl for a whole bunch of time. Um, and in fact, he was still dating her when he um, started the massacre. Like, oh, he literally, so he was, he started planning the, the, the shooting apparently. He decided he had enough. And um, I don't know if you touched on this, Drewy, in your stuff, but what a lot of people suspect is that he was just going to kill himself. But like four weeks before the murder, mm. um, what happened was the Dunblane Massacre. Yeah, in Scotland. Uh. In Scotland. And that is what a lot of people say until that happened. When he saw that, that's when he turned his mind to um, effectively not a copycat or whatever you want to call it, just inspired by that, which is horrendous, right? But he, he was dating this girl and he literally was like, taking her around. He dropped her and said, I've got to do something on Sunday. Um, go home to your parents and I'll catch up with you later. And uh, the uh, the one other thing I'll get into before, so I won't go into detail of the actual massacre, but, but the other thing was it started at a property called Seascape, which was a bed and breakfast nearby um, uh, Port Arthur. And um, he uh, the, that was owned by um, David and Sally Martin, um, who he knew when he was a child they owned a property next to his property and apparently his dad wanted to buy Seascape and that that, that couple bought it from under him, um, outbid him effectively. And the father had complained on numerous occasions of the damages done to the Bryant family because that purchase, like we could have had that as a successful Airbnb, uh, you know, whatever, a Airbnb. And um, so basically he had it in his head that this couple had contributed to his dad's depression and he, I mean, so it sort of rules out him killing his dad if he's going to blame them for it, right? But but he basically said that they were the targets of his ire at first. So first thing he did to start on the morning of the Sunday, uh, April 28th, he drove to that property, knocked them off uh, at 11 a.m., went to Port Arthur. And then very quickly, I'll go through this, not in a lot of detail, between sort of uh, 11, between about 1.30 uh, he starts shooting. Fifth in the first fifteen seconds, he shoots seventeen times, killing twelve people. Jesus. Fifteen seconds, wounding ten more. Uh, he he sort of goes from the cafe that he was grew up with his sister worked. That's where he started into the gift shop, back into the car park, shooting at people all over the place. Uh, eventually, um, got in his car, drove out, shot people running away, 
pulled over, carjacked a car, threw a guy in the back seat, um, took him hostage. And he, in the end, went back to Seascape, burned it down, and he had killed uh, 38 people, I believe. Uh, 35 people killed, 23 injured in an 18-hour period. So just horrendous shit. Uh, he was judged fit to stand trial. Just one more. Oh, no. I thought he, he didn't neck himself. No, no, he's still, no, alive. No, still alive. So he judged fit to stand trial. This is a little postscript, which I thought was very uh, curious, where he initially pled not guilty. Um, and the thing with this is, and he had a court-appointed lawyer who um, basically convinced him to plead guilty to all charges and somewhat legally controversial because your lawyer is supposed to act in your best interest. Yeah. And there was nothing on the table for a guilty plea. There was no offer. There was no, like, he, he was never going to be, be... No reduced sentence or no, anything. No, no capital punishment to scare you into pleading guilty. Mm. So it's always going to be life in jail no matter what. And there's a chance if he pled not guilty by insanity, he could have got, um, you know, mental institution forever. Yeah. Right? Which would have been a lot better for him. Mm. But he, the lawyer said it was in the... Like, basically said I... Public safety. Public for the for the benefit of not having to go through a trial for the community. And he basically got to know Martin for a while. Martin pled not guilty and he convinced him to change his plea to guilty because he sort of implanted in his head that if you plead not guilty, everyone will think you're too dumb to do this. And so Martin, with his ego and his sort of like, oh, like, oh, well, I have to say I've done it then. Mm. And sort of not tricked him, but basically because uh, he had no empathy for any of the survivors or anything. So um, that was quite an interesting postscript. And... This is wild. Like, have you seen a photo of him lately? He's fat as fuck. It's unbelievable. That's him before and after. Oh, wow. It doesn't look anything he like him. He couldn't look less like him. Yeah. Like, he just, and uh, so he's still alive. He blew up. And this is also kilos. what led to guns being removed. Yeah, from I think that's shortly what you, after. You have a bit of that jewelry, right? Well, yeah, of course. So, is that air con working? It's still really hot. It's pretty um, hot, but it could just be because the pot is red hot. <laughs> you can go, Drewy. I can hear it's. I can hear it whirring. Um, yeah, just like any major false flag, um, any shooting, like you see this in the states now. Any kind of massacre like this, immediately people like false flag is you know. I don't understand the psychology behind that. It's like it's fascinating, but well, it's it is crazy. But I think it's a bit like if you want to delve into it, it's a bit like people need to think that there's some like higher control because the fact is that a random person can snap at any time and go fucking yeah. crazy. And these people are like, well, that that freaks me out so much that it has to be a government psyop sort yeah. of thing. Mm. And that's basically the in ins and outs of it is there is this massive conspiracy group um, on Facebook. I did join. It's it's insane. <laughs> did you actually join? I joined it. Yeah. Started it. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the whole thing, is, the whole thing is it was a government psyop to disarm the citiz mm. citizenry. Um, some, pe some people have spouted this... Um, include a fixture of this pod, One Nation leader, Pauline Hanson. Of course oh. she fucking did. So it's so stupid. The government can just change the law without needing to kill 35 fucking people. I also don't under, like, Pauline Hanson is, I guess, like, you know, Trump is kind of passe and that's the argument, but, like, how is, like, a woman like Pauline Hanson continually, they just let her be in the fucking oh, public eye after, like, well, spewing the most hateful rhetoric about, like, not just, like, different races but about like everything well it's just i mean i wouldn't be surprised she doesn't believe it at all but it's just that whole thing of all my support like a lot of my supporters do so politically well, that's like like how i bite my bread like i think it's exactly i mean i do opposite. government style up and be like you 
you're done. You just can't run anymore. Like so you're you, insane. So you're gonna prove a point by sh- by taking it yeah. like gulag style yeah, and shooting yeah. her. This is to yeah, stop well, conspiracy. Gr- I mean, that's the greatest of all ironies for her as well. It's like she'll be thrown. At, you won't be allowed to do stuff, and it'll be like, by the way, the government did this. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the way that like, it sort ben, of came yeah, out. I'd support a psyop. Yeah. Let's she do it. um she was secretly recorded by a journalist from Al Jazeera, and so she publicly denies that she believes this, but privately in private conversation, she was like, there's a lot of questions about it. Look up oh, this, look up that. Right, okay. And it was pretty, because she was there with two other blokes from One Nation and it was this, the biggest story ended up being because they were um, meeting with people from the NRA about how to like try to rescind these new gun laws. Yeah. Well, not new at that time, 20 years on. Um, and sh- and these guys, their excuse was, um, you know, like what, you know, you're there, you're like literally talking to these guys, you're, t- you're saying we can, we can probably influence the government or whatever. Like, what's your excuse? And they were like, oh, we're just a bit on the piss. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Aussie politician. That's perfect. Um, but the reason people think this, right? Like you say, you know, you don't need to go out and kill a bunch of people. There was some background to it, um, which Paul and Hanson mentioned in this like undercover um, recording. In 1987, the former New South Wales Premier Barry Unsworth um, he was in his final months as Premier when a gun summit was called in Canberra by uh, Bob Hawke, then Prime Minister. And that was in reaction to there was four mass shootings in Sydney, Melbourne and the Northern Territory. And that all occurred in less than a year. So they hold this big summit. Like, what mm. can we do about this? And all the Premiers, like Victoria's Premier, the New South Wales Premier, um, they were like, this is happening in our state where we want to like push for... Um, national legislation to try mm-hmm. and stop this. We want to at least ban self-loading rifles. But uh, classic uh, holdouts, Queensland, mm-hmm. always going to be a holdout there. And Tasmania was also against the proposal. And Unsworth was so, like they were there for hours at loggerheads just going at each other. And Unsworth got so frustrated and as he's walking out of Old Parliament House, he said to the media, it's going to take a fucking massacre in Tasmania before we get gun laws in this country. So of course that's mm. the that's the spark. But he was just frustrated because uh, they were like, no, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> 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 yeah, so you convinced Alex already. Oh, that's Uh-oh. a little bit too weird to say. Um, no, but yeah, but next episode, psyops. But that's Alex a perfect though. like that's a perfect line to go. Did you know that this guy said this and this? Like yeah, yeah. the backstory. You go. There you go. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That, that's every conspiracy. It's like shit taken out of context. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a better like, one than the normal one, which is like. You know, the government did 9 11 because if you get this $1 bill and you fold it in the corner, yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks like an eye. And a, like that. But do you remember, like, I think in like year nine, they were like, man, if you type uh, like something in wingdings, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Ele- nine, like September yeah. or 9 But it doesn't look anything like that. Oh, it's like, just. And again, it's like, like saying Bloody Mary three times in a mirror almost. And mm. it's like that um, Nick Mullen 9 11 joke. It's like, why, if you're planning this thing, why, why are you going to sprinkle a little clue in yeah, for the yeah, public? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, why? Yeah. Um, but. Another guy who I'll play a video. I hope I'm connected. But um, this, a lot of like the conspiracies, there's there's all the, like the weird little detailed ones where you're like, look, I'd have to start reading court reports before I have a look at where they're getting this from. Yeah. But the two, the biggest claims are that he um, he was like such an incredible marksman. And they're like, he was like taking people mm, out from a mm, distance. Mm. And it's like, he, like you said, he killed what, 12 it's, it's people? 12 and seven, 17 shots at, and 12 people were dead. And, yeah. and it did sound, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's it. Whether he, pr- but he had an air rifle since he was 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? Also, yeah. if I went to the Vic with a machine gun, it's like you could kill that many people. I don't think you oh, yeah, 12 I people. saw Martin Bryant. He was. So this yeah. is, um, this is Chopper Reed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Actually, no, the, yeah, spent the some time. Causes. 
So Martin Bryant's in a, in a notorious prison, I think. It's called Risden in uh, Tasmania. And, Risden, huh? And, and Chopper Reed spent some time there with him, right? So he's talking about this interaction he had with Martin Bryant. And this will basically give you a taste of what the conspiracy is because Chopper absolutely believes it. And but, he's never told a lie, Chopper Reed. Yeah, exactly. No. Um, but also just listen to his description of um, Martin's voice. Hands between this grilled gate, white overalls, blonde hair, green eyes. I couldn't help myself. Dr. Lopez was leading me out. And I, I looked at him and he said, Hello, Mr. Reed. And I, uh, I said, Why'd you do it? He says, I don't know. He said, One minute I was eating my Trevelyan peas and the next minute the room was full of dead people. And that's how he spoke. He said, One minute I was eating my Trevelyan peas and the next minute the room was full of dead people. He spoke like a little baby puffed up. <laughs> like a little baby retarded poofta. <laughs> One minute I was eating my Trevelyan peas, and the next minute the room's full of dead people. Uh, uh, uh. I thought he was going to clean oh, it up. Oh, good. I, mean, I thought he was going to censor himself yeah. and go, oh, look, we get that out, let me have take two. Three people from a distance of 300 yards with a 308 bolt action. Straight in the face. Bang, bang, bang. Face shots. Got them all. Just blew their heads off. And he killed uh, two other people. 27 yards away, standing in the one position, he went bang, 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 bang. So I'll stop it there. He is basically <laughs> saying... just says bang for four <laughs> more minutes. He's basically more or less saying that what he did, he had a bolt-action rifle, slow-loading, and he was taking people out from a distance. And that you'll just see that, that that's like the whole conspiracy thing. Uh, the big problem with that is... No, he didn't. Yeah, he had like an... Every single person he shot was shot to... Like, he would point the, the right rifle at, at the head. And the reason he killed so many so fast was he, they were in a fucking confined cafe. Yeah, a he lot literally of, just turned around and sprayed And them. a lot of people um, were shot. Like, he would shoot someone and the bullet would go through them and hit someone else because they were in a small little area. Yeah, like, yeah, a lot yeah. of people, almost all of the injured was just um, gun f uh, bullet fragments mm. and, and stuff. And he also didn't use a bolt action. He had an uh, AR-15. That's he, why they... Yeah, that's right. Because they're... That's why they're illegal now because yeah. he used the free and he went and at some point it, he went back and changed to he had an AR and then he went back to, and he got another rifle but it was a self-loading rifle yeah like so he had yeah he had an AR-15 and he had uh, the L1A1 self-loading rifle yeah um and but like everyone when people were out um you know outside of the cafe and when they were far away he was like a woeful shot yeah and he was still like he could he knew his way around a gun from the air rifle mm, and stuff. Mm. But he was not like everybody said. Everyone's like, "Man, this is crazy." He put like only special forces are doing that. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't. No. He just straight up killed everyone really close. Not R word, P word. It's, <laughs> <one of, yeah. laughs> it's not. It's one of those conspiracies where they're so insane. Where the answer isn't like some like technical point. It's like, no, he just didn't. And it's and it's proven by it's very quickly just. It's so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like a there were bombs and the building yeah, and yeah. stuff that you can. Yeah, it's exactly. Like hard exactly. to disprove. And um, it, then there's a bunch of stuff. There is some stuff about the lawyer and that, but like it, the lawyers looked at the case and gone, this is fucking, uh, the, the trial is going to be a farce. The, lawyer, the lawyer said, and he said like, basically, look, ultimately you sometimes you, as a lawyer, you also need the best interest of the community. And he was never going to get out either way. And I never told him, I just wanted him to, and I presented it to him. He still had to decide and I couldn't have made him plead guilty. So it's just... You know, didn't yeah. talk him out of it effectively. Yeah, exactly. Like and then everyone says, well, he was placed in solitary confinement for the first eight months of his sentence. 
uh, everyone's like, well, you know, they had to get him away because he, otherwise he's going to tell the truth. Shanked by people. Exactly right. People in prison notoriously don't like child killers. He yeah. killed several children. Um, plus, he was like had to be on round the clock suicide watch because he'd already attempted suicide twice. And like, even if you aren't even going to be a child killer, killer, whatever, you'd be the most, you would be the biggest hero in prisons if you just did it. There'd be yeah. so many people who would be like, if I'm the one who did that, like, fuck me. I'm surprised no one's knocked him off to this day. Um, you well, know, yeah, he has, he has been attacked. Um, and just, just to finish off, cause I have been poking around this insane fucking Facebook group and there are so, there's like 17,000 cool people on there. <laughs> yeah. We're, gonna, we're, we're going to meet up. Meeting up <laughs> um, but this dude, this one guy, this gives you, Kirk, you mentioned earlier, like the psychology of these kind of guys. Yeah. I can probably give you a little taste of it. Uh, this is Darren Dazza. <laughs> if he isn't dead, the government is withholding visitation and contact. Just like the government stops fathers from seeing their kids. <laughs> oh, Dazza. Uh, so there's Dazza. a lot of family court Miss your boy, do you? <laughs> Dazza. But that's, um, yeah, it's just a, it's absurd. Oh, that's horrendous. Uh. But in any, in any case, there's a lot more lighthearted to get to. stuff to get yeah. to about Tazzy too. But It'd be good to do an app with someone from Hobart or something to actually dive yeah, into something. Yeah, definitely. Or slapstick crimes yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone getting their penis stuck in yeah but that's another underbelly episode done we are smashing through australia babe we can also go international we could. Uh, some crime overseas i hear i've heard <laughs> that it exists yeah. um but as always we have a patreon mm. five dollars a month gets you bonus episodes baby You'll want to get on in this. We are planning a big Patreon Oyster Challenge oh, episode so with past guest Jack Wright, where he thinks he can eat 100 oysters in 100 in minutes. Or 100 whatever. oysters in an hour. Well, he actually thinks he can eat. Uh, he called me an idiot at Drew's <laughs> wedding because I said, because I said, you, a hundred. Episode would be a hundred oysters in an hour, and he went, "You're an idiot. I could do it in ten. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, "All right, we will figure something out." Yeah. But I feel like he's gonna our oyster budget is gonna go through the roof. I think he's gonna win the battle and lose the war, though. I feel like. <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, I don't doubt he can do day. it, but I also don't doubt he'll be shitting liquid yeah. for like three <laughs> oh, days. Yeah. Jesus, but uh, that'll be so much fun. Yeah. Um, um, I, yeah, and so I'm doing Melbourne too. If you're in town, if you're in Melbourne, what's the name I'm, of the show? I don't. We look stupid. It's fifth of April until the fifth of April till the twenty first, and I'm not doing Monday. So a lot of shows, gonna be fun. Come on down. It's in the city. Buy tickets, etc. Et Comedyfestival.com. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'll be in town in Melbourne, just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you coming? Easter long weekend. I'm coming down. Oh, uh, I don't know if that's the same weekend. Is it? No, I'm the I'm the one after. Oh, brutal! Uh, oh, brutal. you can go fly for me ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just want to be involved. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Bye. Bye.